Hey up, I'll do, and welcome to our second episode today on our 10th feature of Loose Lips. I'm Ben Random, and we're going to be speaking with Sam Airy, a singer, songwriter, originally from Wales, but located in the wonderful city of Leeds. And we're going to be speaking to him about his music. So yeah, if you've got any questions or anything that you want to be putting across through the chat, feel free, and I'll look to segue them in when I can. If you're new to this, this is Loose Lips, as I say. You can see the back catalogue from our previous chats on YouTube by going Pop Cult Chic, or likewise, you can find it on Instagram, pop.cult.chic. So, yeah, Mr. Airy is in the group. You just need to send me a request, and then we can join. Shout out, Brendan. Yep, 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 yep. Good man, good man. The man who taught me how to set decks up, and I've never looked back since. Apart our days, you know that. Uh, shout out anyone who is coming through in the chat as well. Here we go. Hey, Mush, you all right, Paul? How are you? You all right? I'm good, brother. Good to see you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm doing all right. Yeah, not too bad. How are you? I'm good, man. I, you know, I, I, I'm missing our favourite bus, the five oh eight. I'm missing, I'm missing those chance encounters just out of backup bus. But <laughs> other than that, it's, it's all good, man. I mean, it's a weird situation, definitely. I think for everybody, but just making the most of it by looking to do things like this and connect and you know, yeah, chill That's with it. my cat. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of chilling with my cat and all as well, so. Does your cat look at you like, why are you still here? Why are you, I've never seen you this much. What are you doing? Like, yeah, there's been a, there's been an increased amount of judgment from my cat. Definitely. <laughs> that, that is it. That is what that look is. It goes from love to judgment. Just like that. I find that like, even when I go out on just like a little walk or like a bike, like nip out on the bike or go running or come back and like, it's so like a nice little breather for the cat. The cat like, <laughs> Not not enough that she actually, you know, wants to spend time with me, but <laughs> <laughs> I I find I find like my cat looks at me and knows my patterns. So like on a Saturday night when I'm used to like getting ready to go out, she's just staring at me like, You should be doing something now. It's like it's her house. It's like what are you doing in my house? Yeah. <laughs> it's mad. It's mad. But have you found this time to uh lock in and be creative? Is it one of them? I've kind of like settled into it slowly, I would say, like the last, the last couple of weeks, especially. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird time. It's a weird time to, um, to try and force creativity, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think everyone's got a lot of, ha like a lot of time in their hands. So everyone's kind of thinking, I don't know. I don't know. If, it's the same with you or like I know like a lot of creative people are kind of the same in that when they have the time they heap the pressure on themselves to, to, to kind of do something with it and um, it's uh, I don't know I've kind of I think like before all of this I'd kind of learned that that's not really my like best way process and a couple of times where I've gone away somewhere to write and I've kind of gone I have to get like X amount of songs out of this or I have to you know, be this productive. And like, if it doesn't happen, which quite often it doesn't, because you just like, like, like I say, you can't always force it. So like, um, 
yeah, if it doesn't, then you end up kind of getting down on yourself and beating yourself up about it. And it's just not like, it's just counterproductive in every way. So, I I mean, it's, it's good you brought that up. I remember you saying to me before, did you go to Scotland? Yeah, I went to uh, Isle of Sky or something. A year ago, I went up to the Isle of Sky for a week. And that was like definitely like a learning experience on, on, on kind of like on that level because I'd gone and I'd wanted to. I can't really remember what I'd set, but I wanted like a certain amount of songs out of it. And um, yeah, it just wasn't kind of, wasn't really the most productive way of looking at it. And once I settled into it and kind of stopped giving myself a hard time, I actually started writing loads. So it's one of those. I think like the way I've tried to treat all of this so far is just kind of, um, I don't know, just kind of, try and bring back that kind of playful like aspect of it where you're just messing around with almost like no end goal and if something comes of it then great but if not doesn't really matter and I, I always find those tend to be the, the ways you you kind of end up with something it's mad in it because the the sort of tap to creativity it's always it's always prevalently turned on like Sounds wrong, that done it. Creativity is always turned on. Ding dong. Like, well, it is. Creativity is always turned on. And you can tap into it, but it's almost like you can force yourself too much. And it, it's, you, you did use the word, it's, it's counterproductive. And it's like, sometimes you'll go for, I find this, I, I, I go for days sometimes, and it's like, am I procrastinating? And it's like, well, am I? But really, I'm not. And am I not forcing it? And then I'll try to sit down and then it's like, oh, I'm forcing it. And it's, it's weird. And I've sort of given myself now a bit of leeway where it's like, I've, I've come up with a 25-hour day. You can have this, a 25-hour day. <laughs> so they say that if you um, try to be creative in any spell that's less than, say, an hour or uh, two hours, basically you know, especially if you're at home, you're going to potter about, you're going to make a cup of tea, you're going to mess about, chill with a cat, you know, you're going to wash things up that don't need washing up, you're going to, oh, I might wipe that, you know, so, and then you get that out of your system and before you know it, you're ready. So if you give yourself like a five-hour window, it's not to say that you're specifically going to be targeting the one topic in that five hours, but it's five hours to nurture yourself into the way where then it comes to a point where, oh, I'll go get a cup of tea. No, I've just had a cup of tea. You know, you've almost exhausted all your excuses and you're actually ready. And even when you're making a cup of tea, you're still in that mindset of I'm, I'm still creating. And the reason why it's a 25 hour day is if you do that for five hours, then you give yourself a two hour break and then you do it another five hours, give yourself a two hour break. And then depending on how extreme you want to be, you can keep doing that until it works out that it's 7, 14, 21. And then you have a 25 hour day because you have a five hour kit. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's like a similar way of thinking about it too. I, I think that actually um, like so much of the process is like subconscious and happens way before you think it happens. So I your agree. brain is like constantly taking in information from all over the place, you know, both consciously and subconsciously. And it's processing that in the background. And so you might sit down, you know, probably in any like walk of life, really. Um, and you might think that an idea has like come to you instantly. And that was like the moment of inspiration. But actually, you might have had that bubbling under the surface for quite yeah. a long time. And I think that's why it's important to have those kind of um, those kind of sessions where you just mess around and you're not really like, you know, 
you, you might think that you're not being productive in a sense, but something like your brain's working on something. <laughs> it's it's almost like I like the fact that you said it's uh, taking it to a fun place again because there can be a lot of pressure, and I suppose especially with somebody like yourself, you know, you you've been on tours, you've been around like different festivals, and it's almost like is there a window of opportunity that you must like fit in or then is it falling off and you've got to like maybe start again to recapture that momentum. Um, so it can have that pressure, but it, it is true. I think, I think there's a lot of key to it being fun. I definitely think that um, the funness needs to come out because once that comes, then you're in a more playful state with yourself anyway. And, and I think you're, you're, you're less pressure even if something comes up and it's not even something you like, but you can laugh it off a bit more as opposed to being like, ah, oh, it's frustrating, yeah. it's not like... And I think that's as much as powerful as having the window to actually create stuff that you like as well. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a feeling that's been symptomatic of the whole thing, like not just about creating, but like the idea of, I feel like, everyone at the minute is kind of like you know a lot of us are kind of like on a bit of a like almost like a pause or like a hiatus from like our, our daily life and it and I, and I feel like people are kind of like distance almost like you you distance yourself from that a little bit you're, you're able to step back and kind of look at it and you're able to sort of go uh like I don't know like Am I having fun? Is this what I want to do? You know what I mean? And like, and I think like, there's been a bit of a thing for me anyway, like being drawn back to like, just really simple stuff in all of this. Uh, and that's definitely kind of part of that. Do you, uh, you, you mentioned a word, and I've been asking this to a lot of my guests recently, is, uh, is, this, is this time now, is it pause or is it reset? Uh, Maybe a bit, maybe a bit of both. Pause it. It sounds like a Swedish meatball. <laughs> I, it, I mean, it depends how like philosophical you want to be about it, doesn't it? Because you know, in amongst like, in amongst um, what uh, like frankly shitty situation it is, you know, there there have been quite a lot of posit positives to glean from it as well. Um, and I don't know with the your idea of like resetting things is quite interesting because you know this is maybe going a bit too philosophical but like generally like humans we we kind of want to maybe ask ourselves like the kind of world that we feel like we've left behind is that the kind of thing that we want to like rejoin do we want that i mean and i think a lot of people think there's good changes that we've made from all of this um and um the question is you know whether we'll we'll stick to them i mean like the um i guess the uh the worrying thing is that humans generally are creatures of habit and you know will will everyone kind of fall back into their old ways quite quickly or not but um I'd like to think that um, it said that it takes, I think, between 21 and 30 days, I think it's more 30 days to form new habits. So I'd okay. like to think that in this time, what we have done will form as a new habit. And when it starts going back to how things were, it won't feel as right as it once naturally occurred. So yeah. that then the, 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 the plan is to manage the two, isn't it? It's to still be productive in the world 
once everything sort of presses play again. But I would like to think it's resetting in the sense of, um, say, my Mac, for example, when I went to get it, like, wiped, I still had all my stuff on my hard drive. So then when I put it back on the hard drive, like everything that I liked was on the hard drive, but it worked a lot quicker and smoothly. Like that's, that's what it should be. <laughs> <laughs> like the optimum level. Do you, think, do you reckon you'll like feel recharged to like optimum you at the end of this? Maybe? Do you know, do you know what? <laughs> this is probably the hardest I've worked ever. Like I'm no word of a lie, right? Like it's almost like how I work you in a bit of my mind is like everyone was sort of chilling on couch in the dressing gown. I like I do that all the time. If you're gonna do that, I'll do something else. So then yeah. I just I, <laughs> But no, no, I just I, I feel like um, it's been an amazing platform for me to build up from. Like I do believe I'll keep doing these. I think and and I'd, I'd like to get your opinion about yourself with this. Like I think sometimes I can be too. I don't believe in perfection. I think imperfection is the only perfection that there is. But I think when it comes to a creative extension of what I'm coming up with, be it a comedy tour or a video, things that are sometimes taken out of my control, for example, the audio or like the, uh, the visuals or the editing side of it, I'm really like, even now I can feel my body language really, like I'm, it suffocates me sometimes that because I am really particular Maybe not perfections, yeah. but I'm really particular with that. And sometimes that can slow down my outer productivity of what people get to see what I'm up to. Whereas with this, because of the circumstances, it's almost like, well, it, it just met do with the situation how we can. And I've yeah. really like adapted. And I think I'd like to pray that when I do get back to creating more longer form videos, I still have that that way about me and I don't go back to being that particular about it. Have you, have you found anything like that? Yeah, well, I think with this format, like you're doing now, it's quite a nice kind of snapshot of where everyone's at kind of day to day. Because like for a lot of people, every like no two days are the same. Everyone's kind of experiencing different things every day and kind of like people might feel great one day and not so great the next. Um, so I think that's quite interesting. But in terms of like what, you, what you're talking about with... Um, maybe trying to not get too hung up on like perfection i think that's quite interesting um and definitely like a lot of people it, like making albums and stuff in the creative process in the studio like embracing those little imperfections can, can mm. kind of make a huge difference those, those can be the things that like um i don't know like make an album <laughs> they are partly true i i think of a in a, uh, on one of the Michael Jackson songs off Off The Wall and at the end of, I forget which song it is, but his, um, his voice almost like breaks as he's like trying to reach this note and you just feel this vulnerability to him and it's like, oh, Michael. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think like a lot of my favourite singers especially like don't have what you would consider to be um, kind of like orthodox, like great technical voices. Um, so I love anything like that, where you can hear like a break or like anything where you can hear kind of real like emotion, really. Like, you know, I've got a lot of admiration for like very technical singers as well. But like for me anyway, it's kind of I tend to gra gravitate towards those kind of voices that tell a bit more of a, of a story. How do you uh, tap into the emotion when you're singing? Because I, I hear a lot of 
singers when they're giving any advice and it, you know it's from the core it's not from the throat and you've got to really tap into personal experiences to give that emotive like sense to the actual song but it's something that I, I sort of get, but I, I don't understand really. So I'd really like to know how, how you go about that practice. Um, I don't even know if I can tell you, to be honest. I don't even know if it's something that I do consciously, which is weird because it's kind of like, um, like I say, those are the kind of like voices that I'm drawn to, but really, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just do it. <laughs> I don't think but, about it. But you know when so when uh, people go to like acting classes or when people make it and they're they're on a set, what what's said and I've heard Tom Hardy say this is if you've had the best day or the worst day, it doesn't matter what scene you're playing, you have to put what you've been through in the real world into that performance. So you just said it before, like no two days are the same, and this is an amazing snapshot to really get that. But do you find that if you've had a good day or a bad day or, you know, whatever has influenced your day, can that affect your performance in that emotion and what you're putting across? Or do you have it, like, stored in some, like, emotion bank where you're like, right, I need to tap into that for this song? I think it can do. I think it can have an effect, definitely. Um, but you, I think with time, you learn how to kind of control that and use that and kind of use it... Um, Kind of like when you need to, I think. You've uh, been going for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, it's been like a, about a decade of music making and releasing now this year. So, um, yeah, a lot of other bits and pieces. Do you remember um, when you first realised that this is a path that you wanted to go down, that you had an ability at it and it was something that you wanted to pursue? I don't think there was ever like one like specific moment for me really um i've always been drawn to like songwriting like first and foremost um as like an outlet and i think um like regardless of like releasing stuff or or touring or any of like that side of it like at, at a certain point i kind of realized i'll always write songs because i enjoy doing it and it provides like a good like outlet so um is that from a young age is that from like teenage age yeah well i think i, I reckon i started writing songs about 15 but they were terrible <laughs> were they inspired by any particular genre of music um all sorts really um kind of like grew up in like a fairly like musical household and um, my dad's like um my dad comes from like an irish folk background so like that's his like kind of thing. So I always kind of grew around like that around the house, <clears throat> and then um, through my teens, I listened to like everything. Really got into like a lot of um, heavier stuff. Had a big kind of like um, indie kid phase, <laughs> um, and then which yeah. we never grow out of. Not really, to be honest. <laughs> Never grow out of it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just a real kind of, like, combination of influences, really. And then how did you find yourself in Leeds? Uh, so I came for uni originally um, to study music, actually, um, and then just ended up staying. Um, yeah, just had a great time. And uh, um, it was like the kind of perfect sized 
kind of city for me. I come from like quite a rural part of North Wales where um, like it's really like scenic and beautiful. Um, but in terms of like, um, in terms of like a, of a live music scene, it's quite difficult because everywhere's quite disjointed. Um, and so, yeah, I was kind of like drawn to the music community in Leeds, like first and foremost, you know, like built around the great venues that we have. And like, I like the idea that there were people in all sorts of bands and different genres all like kind of mixing and, and, um, and yeah, that was kind of the, the thing for me. And Leeds was always like a comfortable sized city for me because of mm. where I was from. So like, it was big enough that it seemed like a big city to me, but not overwhelmingly so, which I think I would have maybe found if I'd like gone to London or something. I love that about Leeds. It's almost got that community sense of, a, of a village with its size when you're looking at a big city, when we're talking about the city centre. But it's definitely a city that has its accolades where if you were to go London or... I remember being in a Ibiza just on a massive session and... We're like, oh, where are you from? Like, oh, I live Leeds. And like, no way. Talking to us all about the clubbing and the DJ. So like, it, it's it's infamous wherever you are. So I do feel like that's one of the reasons why I, I still stay. Like a lot of the chats that I've had are people who have been based here and then have moved London and have said that it's helped them progress a lot, a lot, a lot more quickly because they're in and around it every day and the people that they're bumping into know somebody and it, it's one of them where, you, you can be there, whereas for us up here, it feels, even though it's only two two and a bit hours away and you get to go past the Emirates as well. Wee, Emirates, like, you know, and train. Like, it's not even that far. But but I, I, I personally feel like I, why I remained up here is that I feel like it's the perfect space and place for me to build my own empire to then have other people go, we want a bit of that. Whereas when you're going down there, it feels like you're almost competing with everybody that are on with the same thing. Pete Tripper said it's a medium sized pond for a medium sized fish. Thank you for that input, Pete. <laughs> I think I'm all, I'm all right with that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But um, no, so you felt that you were at home in Leeds and then, um, you know, you started. Well, how did uni go for you? Which uni? Uh, Leeds Uni, actually. I was meant to go to the College of Music um, to do music tech, um, like to do a production degree. And then I fairly last minute like changed to do something more academic um, just to kind of like widen options at the end because I didn't really want to kind of necessarily go into a studio or kind of go down an engineering route. Um, so, um, so yeah, I kind of did that. But um, it was good. I mean, like I mainly did it because I knew I enjoyed it and um, didn't know what else I wanted to do at that stage. And to be completely honest, um, there were bits of it I didn't enjoy because I I was already quite headstrong at that age about like ideas and about the way that I wanted to write songs and stuff like that. So I was careful about like tailoring it to like what I wanted from it because like I didn't want like com composition lessons in how to write a pop song and stuff. Um, yeah, you didn't want to lose your essence of who you were in that. But, um, yeah, I definitely, definitely enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I could have done a, uh, I definitely could have done a more um, uh, worthwhile degree. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Met some good people as well. 
was it a simple step once you finished? Were it always to to stay at Leeds? And then how? What was the the focus in how you were going to stay about Leeds? Like when did a portal come into your life? Um, that kind of um, or it wasn't really that simple actually. I finished. I graduated and I moved back home and I spent a few months. There was a bit of time, maybe like eight or nine months in between when I moved home, um, and. Um, yeah, I just kind of, like, didn't really have a great time at that point. Just really just, like, kind of missed, missed kind of, like, the uh, music community and stuff like that. And that was the reason why I ended up moving back. So I probably had about eight or nine months where, um, yeah, I was just, like, in a bit of a crap job and just, like, not really having a, having a great time. So I kind of, I moved back <laughs> and then, yeah, started working in bars around that point. And um, and then yeah, just kind of like slowly started gigging around then as well. I remember um, one of the chats that we had. Like, I like bobbing in in the in the mid afternoon and catching up with you in a porto. So anyone who's watching who's not familiar, a porto is a infamous bar on Call Lane in Leeds. It's sort of like the the alternative music mecca of Leeds. I'd say like with your indie and your more electro synth around that vibe uh so you'll be chilling through there and i remember i went to you and you just got your uh, your demographics uh break your analytics from your spotify mm -hmm. and you were telling me like this that's one of the best ways that you could learn to plan how to gig because you know that you've got fans right like in scandinavia was it denmark or somewhere um i don't know specifically about that one um but yeah it's really interesting when you get when you look into all that stuff that you have access to it and that you can see where people are listening. Um, it's hard, really, with that because you don't. Um, the the uh, the data is like is useful and useless at the same time. <laughs> um, just because you can't like it gives you a good idea, but you can't really like differentiate what a casual listener is to a, to like a fan. Um, but. That said, you know, it is really, really interesting. You get like a good idea of like where people are starting to, to listen and where you might be able to look at like building a, a bit more of like a live presence, definitely. Was there, was there uh, any particular places that you saw and you were like, what, as if they're the there from me over there? Um, yeah, there's a few. I think like, um, I think Turkey is like the, consistently has been like the last, two or three years like maybe like the second most i think the, the, the top one is the us i think the second is like U, the uk and then like third is like turkey so um I need to look into a turkish <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's this well that must be that must be quite uh shocking but also like in a, in a good way shocking but also like humbling as well to know that because that's another thing as a creative, when you release it, it's almost like there's two lives of the project. There's the life of what we have and put into it, and then there's the life of its own, and when people get to knit and pick and add their own memories to it. So, like, that must be rather humbling to know that it's reaching these sort of places where, like you say, have you ever been there before? Uh, yeah, I've been to Turkey on holiday, I think, just like a... That's it, you planted that seed, that's what you were on about with the subconscious before, you were like subconsciously on holiday when you were younger, you were like, one day you'll listen to my music out here. <laughs> but yeah, it is a, it's a weird one, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, 
it's quite interesting. It's interesting, like, which songs kind of seem to resonate more, um, especially, like, in other countries, I think. Um, like, I've had one one particular song that's kind of, like, really, really popular in, like, South America as well. And I can't really put my finger on, like, why, but um, it has quite a strong, like, narrative. It's very kind of, like, storytelling kind of focus. And there must be something with that that seems to resonate with people. I don't know. Um, but... Do you reckon it's like, um, I forgot on the dude, you will have seen the documentary. There's a documentary about a dude who uh, became big in South Africa after he, I should know his name. Like, I'll, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to Google it halfway through this conversation. If you see me subtly just going like that, it's because I'm Googling this name. But a dude who made it in, a, if anyone in the, in the chat knows, there's a... Is this Searching for Sugar Man, the film? Yes. Um, yeah, Rodriguez, is it? Rodriguez, yes, Rodriguez, good man, good man. So do you feel Do you feel like uh, it's a bit like that, where you, you could be going out in 40 years' time to, like, South America and all these people are like, oh, my God, it's Sam Ariel, you don't know how much this changed my life. Uh, I don't really know about that, to be honest. That is an, <laughs> that is an amazing story, like, um, definitely. Um yeah, I like the idea of the cult, the cult kind of songwriter. Um, those, and like you say, that the idea of like songs kind of taking on lives of their own, like for for years and years. I kind of like that. Um, the idea of that quite a lot. How do you plan your tours? Do, is this a factor? Because I know, like, and and also, how do you how do you approach festivals? Like one of the times, one of the first times I saw you actually was at Latitude when I was when I was heckling you with uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic banter. <laughs> I am Zlatan. Yeah, <laughs> but how how do you go about uh, getting booked for various festivals and 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 also the gigs? Is it something you put on yourself? Um, it tends to be like usually around momentum, things around like related, and at like a certain point, like round then there was just kind of like a lot of momentum behind a few of the, uh, the the tracks that I was putting out and I had like a lot of really great support from um, people like Hugh Stevens yeah. and music um, uh, that that one was um, Hugh Stevens um, curates a stage at Latitude um, called the Lake Stage um, and so I played that one through him was approached by him to play that which was ace um, but yeah, quite often I've always kind of been pretty um, DIY with everything. I mean, I've co-ran a, a record label with um, Dan, a good mate of mine, for like quite a, quite a few years. Uh, I say co-ran, but he did most of the work. <laughs> um, but I kind of like, yeah, we kind of like started out putting, we put like my first EP out on that. And then we kind of went from there and ended up kind of like looking after some other bands with it. Um, and so, yeah, I come from quite like a like DIY background, really, of kind of just getting involved myself and and um, yeah, approaching people. Well, you you also had different uh, ideas as well with ways to put on gigs. I remember you were telling me that you were. I don't know if I'm going to give away a trade secret. If anyone's watching, this is copyright to Sam. So if we see anybody doing it, we'll be like throwing like washing up liquid at you because it's on the on river air and it's in his name as well like that it should be called like the gig of river air Ray. but uh you were gonna play like on a, a barge canal 
and do like different segments of people like so it'd be like a different gig but for like 20 30 people you go up and down and then you'd like the, the next set of people could come through oh yeah we did that we did that actually it was great yeah a few years back um i don't think we did we only did one we did one in the end um but uh yeah we had like three acts on a uh on a barge and just went went down the uh down the canal and uh it was great um yeah, it was kind of challenging. I remember like coming back um, and I had to play. And obviously you go like into the locks at certain points. And like, if you've ever been on like a, on a canal boat when it goes in the locks and it's going up, it, it, like properly like shaping around. So it was like, like, yeah, quite challenging to like mid song. You're trying to like stay on your feet and stay still. Getting Elvis hips out while you're balancing. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, uh, quite a unique gig situation, but it was good. So, yeah, how how do you go about acquiring gigs then? I know, like, if it is a bit DIY, like, someone like Hugh Stevens is an amazing contact to have. Like, how are you how are you able to be seen by by so by different people? How do you how do you get their attention? Um, I don't know. You just kind of like build up like contacts gradually, like over the years, um, and just kind of talk to people i think like um in cre in creative circles especially you know just try and like speak to as many people as you can um i mean it's another one because i'm not like i'm not the most super active um kind of like at, at a certain point i definitely i gig relentlessly i did loads and i don't tend to do lots and lots uh now um definitely need to do a bit more um bit of a musical recluse at the minute but um but yeah, I think like just just like kind of not being afraid to ask for for things, and can, and like I say, if there's a if there's a, any kind of point where there's a little bit of momentum behind you, just trying to like ride ride that. Do you think I was spe I was speaking with uh, the founder of King of the Hills, which is a bit like SBTV for the north, and it helps uh, look to get urban acts and different sort of styles of music, how to build that momentum. And one of the things that came out of that conversation, and I think it can translate, is when you've got a, a hot single or a, a hot EP, what's going to be off the back of that to help, you know, funnel that momentum? So is that something almost where you have to come up with your essential, like, material there, but then you've got to put that on the shelf to make sure that something else is ready to roll so that when that comes and it's almost like a conveyor belt, is that is that something that you've had to balance the two? Yeah, you definitely see you see a lot of you see a lot of acts like generally, um kind of like that where they have like some really, really good material that's good to go and but they can lose momentum quite quickly if there's not something ready to go afterwards. Um but um, that's a tricky one, really, because I know like the um, the the thing with um, the thing with the creative process is when you finish something new, you just want to put it out. You just want people to hear it, and sometimes you have to sit on it for a long time. So like by the time people actually do hear it, it's like old to you. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Because there's 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 a connection to it. Isn't there? There's almost like. It's an extension of you, so you're so excited about it. There's that energy in it. And by the time you've been sat on it, it's like, oh, yeah, trying to recapture that energy with it again. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, I mean, for me, it's like kind of less about... I've, I've kind of, like, been... 
I've always been kind of like wary of a lot of the like industry, uh, some of the industry side of it. And I think it really ultimately, you know, it depends what you want out of it and it depends what you're, what you're in it for. But like I said, kind of before, like, um, like I just really like writing songs and if like they, if I can do something with them and they reach a lot of people and great, but like, if not, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, so like, for me, it's been less about like, oh, how can I capitalize on this and kind of like make sure, um, you know, that I have tons of momentum with it. It's just, I don't know, I just kind of do it, <laughs> which I realize isn't helpful. But is it, is it something though where you do want to like um, step up the touring side again? Like, you know, you're just saying you feel like a bit of a, a tour recluse, but is it, is it something where? Even if you are just writing, there's still that 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 connection of playing live music, which is an extension of the songwriting. But even, I mean, maybe I'll ask you that in that side of it. Then is is do you get as much as the connection when you're singing live as you do from songwriting? Are they are they all in one world to you, or are they separate commodities? They're, I think that they over they overlap, but they're, they're kind of separate. But I do think that they are both like equally rewarding you know it is got you can have some amazing experiences playing in front of people um and i have as well you know across the years definitely definitely have um it's a different kind of feeling to like the feeling that you have in a studio or kind of like listening back where you know you've written something that you like um so yeah they're kind of like separate entities almost but um yeah, they're, they're definitely like, definitely like kind of super rewarding, like both, uh, both of them. Do you think that one channels the other? You know, I tend to look at um, different acts and I, and, I, and I think to myself, like, there's, there's certain bands, I use Kings of Leon as an example, and it always seems like I'm throwing shade on them, but I'm not. But like, it, you know, when they wrote Sex on Fire, you knew that they knew that they that was going to be a hit and it was going to fill every arena and all the fans were going to be singing it and it were almost like they turned against it because it was too easy for them at that point so is there um when you're writing and you know you've had that connection does that sometimes impact again when you're writing to because you know what's going to connect you know what's going to work in a room um no actually um that's like that's like something that i've consciously always tried to avoid um and i think that that comes from um like I say, songwriting being an outlet and like the songs first and foremost being like the songs that like I want to write more than anything else. Um, and I do think bands can get into quite dangerous territory when they start thinking about, um, you know, what an audience is going to like. And, it, you know, it depends on the bands because there are, there are some like, there are some amazing like stadium rock bands who have clearly pandered to their audiences and yet still written like killer songs as well. Um, but it's just not something that has interested me, I guess. It's yeah, crazy. It's, like, it's, it's totally subjective and it's totally like, you know, it's totally um, depends where you lie on music making and, and what's important to you. I find, I find it is an interesting one. It is subjective, but it is crazy because when you come through, I always think that sometimes why a third album sometimes drops off because the first album 
you've just waited all your life pretty much you just stacked it in uh, the album that's you, you know you're fighting to be heard it's almost like you're drowning and you're trying to like grasp that air and everyone's heard it and you, it's like yes that sense of relief that, that breath that like that ah i did it that satisfaction second album's like okay well i'm riding off that a bit i i can still vibe with that but then the third it's like well, do I want something new to say? Do I remember what I'm saying? My lifestyle's also changed a bit, so what I'm going to be talking about is very different, but I still want to remain true to my core and my roots. And I, I, I almost think that when you're a performer, it's almost a bit of a paradox because you, you, you're selfishly creating so that everybody else gets it. Because if you, soon, if you try to then start guessing what people like, you're always losing because you don't know what people like. Yeah. But if you're writing just for yourself not to connect, then you lose. You're not losing out essentially, but you are in a sense of you're not going to be able to gravitate to your audience and what they want. So it's a real weird one to find. But I agree. I think that if you know what you're calling is and why you're performing, that is what your narrative is going to be when you're creating, and then it 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 means more when people jump to that. Yeah, I totally. And you know what? It can go. It can go completely the other way as well in terms of songwriting, which is a lot of things that people don't always reference. But um, if you have too much of a set idea of what you should sound like, then that can also be bad because it's going to limit your like growth and your your kind of want to try new things as well. So like I, I know it's an easy trap to fall into if you like, especially with like bands who've like um, who found like popularity quite quickly on us and with a certain sound like a trademark kind of sound then as soon as they think that they've pigeoned them hold themselves in that kind of one bracket then it can get hard for them to break out so i think there's a balance there of like you know i don't know finding i guess it's about authenticity isn't it and it's like finding another way to be authentically you you know without um being someone else <laughs> I guess I know what you mean it's still still that even if you do reach out it's still from yourself you're not just trying to jump oh synth pop's popular now so I'll suddenly release that sort of yeah. album or like yeah yeah it's still been true to your taste and that leads me on to my next uh, question really so you do DJ DJ down at a Porto yeah. I like the style that you play I think you, you we've got We've got a good crossover of music, very LCD, very, you know, big, yeah. good tempo, groovy, um, which is quite different to what you play. But the, I'd say, like, someone like James Murphy, for example, there's a lot of wit in his lyrics. So even yeah. if you're um, playing your different music, is that something that's still inspiring you, even though you have a completely different genre with the music that you tend to play when you DJ? Yeah, definitely. I think there's, you know, there's so much crossover. Like with all of that stuff, um, and I think, um, I mean, like, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to DJ my my music to uh, <laughs> Friday Night Massive. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, you know, I, I um, it's definitely, uh, I get it's 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 weird because I think I listen to music slightly differently when I'm DJing or when I'm like kind of looking at tracks to play. Um, it's you kind of almost viewing it through a slightly different lens to how you would if you were just ordinarily just listening to stuff. Because um, you kind of, that is, I guess that's, that is, um, that's an area where you are kind of second guessing to a point because you're kind of thinking, 
you know what's like what goes with what how's the how's the room gonna react to to this and what i'm playing that kind of thing um but um yeah i mean i i, I love djing and it's a different kind of like completely different like energy that kind of get from that but um i really miss it actually through, through all of this now we're speaking about it get to the same point on like a get to the same point in like a friday night where i'm just like I should be leaving the house now. <laughs> it's really odd. <laughs> so true. How did you get into DJing? Just really accidentally. <laughs> kind of fell into it. Um, it was kind of like always like really, really um, obsessively into music um, of all sorts. And then just kind of... Um, yeah, just I think I had to. I think the first time I'd really done anything was I had to cover someone somewhere last minute, and they were just like, "Oh yeah, he loves music. He's like got like kind of a decent knowledge of <laughs> all of this." And then just like did it, went well, did it again, got a bit better at it, and then kind of learnt on the job really. But um, you kind of there were you know like many many years of just like obsessively listening to a lot of stuff before kind of reaching that point do you find that um a lot of what you play is uh, probably going back to that that era of indie i i tend to find that that is like i was speaking with matt from uh, pigeons about that era and what it must have been like living through it at the forefront of it because i still feel time bound by that you know i play a lot of modern music and you know, obviously I go back with the disco and stuff, but I, that, that circa 2006, like that, that, that 04, 05, 06 especially, and like, yeah, maybe 07, like that, that time was just, wow. It was just literally yeah. like, wow. I think, you know, it's, all of these things are pretty cyclical, aren't they? And like, it depends kind of like what's in, um, I mean, guitar music generally around that time was just at the forefront of everything um you know that there was a huge kind of like mainstream like breakthrough um back then so like guitar bands were the biggest like acts on the planet um i don't necessarily think that's the case right now it doesn't mean to say that there's not like great like guitar music being made now i mean like like just at the minute there's time there's like in the last kind of year if you look at like post-punk and like the kind of resurgence that that has that kind of style is had and as having uh you know these things definitely like kind of come in circles but um but, i mean there, there tends to be um i think there's an element in that um, oh sorry you cut just as you were you just uh after the pop punk bit you just cut just after that um can you hear me mate after it after, after post punk yeah can you hear me now yeah, yeah, we've got you. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so everything kind of comes around in circles, really, on that point. Um, and, yeah, it doesn't mean to say necessarily that, you know, like, it won't come around again. But I think, like, that era for me is definitely kind of, like, um, entwined with, like, a kind of nostalgia. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of love it so much is because, you know, it reminds them of a particular time in their lives as well. Very, very good point. Does that come into it when um, you're writing as well, like looking to create memories and moments with that? Um, I think sometimes you like you might be trying to 
like document a particular feeling or, or like a kind of like a time frame sometimes um like almost like taking a snapshot of that point in time i think like a lot of songs kind of exist in that in that kind of world um where it's not like it might not be make it might not kind of make a lot of sense but um might kind of just like evoke a like a kind of nostalgic feeling you know that you might be experiencing at any point that's class and then the, the final one from me we've got a ticket to football mate what do you think's going to happen with the season what's going to happen um i don't know to be honest i really don't know um it's uh it's it you know it's 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 such a difficult situation and i think it it's it's really it's really not helped that so much of the discourse um and the debate has been played out in public um because everyone has a vested interest in it and you and no one can really separate that from like logic and you know what should what should happen so it's just like it it, it is really it's really really complex um you know and kind of like it's mad because like i'm football mad and like at a certain point before um all this kind of really really stepped up it felt like like the most important thing <laughs> and now, yeah and now like as the weeks have gone on it just doesn't but like um which is really weird um but yeah there's just no there's just no right answer um i think I'd like to see the season completed when it's safe to do so. Um, funnily, I'd, I'd try not to think of that too much from a Liverpool point of view, but from the fact that, you know, Liverpool's almost the easy bit, really, if you want to think of it like that. You know, that like that points gap is, is just like unheard of and like nothing surprising is going to happen there. But, you know, for the teams chasing like European places for the relegation battle, the teams that are going to be looking to come up as well. Exactly. Um, you know, there's just like, there's so many different implications for it, you know, like, um, and, you know, even, you know, there's a lot of people just saying, bin it off and then start the next one. But like, there's no guarantee that the next one will, will be all right. You know, there's, there's, you know, talk about um, a second wave being quite likely and things like that happening. So you don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like I say, it's just, it's um it's it's really too it's really too complex to to kind of like um to kind of whittle down to one point i think but um yeah i'd i'd like to i'd like to see it finished like if it can be um but you know if it's safe if it's safe to do so obviously i think it needs to be and obviously as an arsenal fan like it's, there's no like allegiance here, but I do think like it's it's just right for it to to happen. Uh, so yeah, I would like to see that happen for you. The final one from me yeah. is from this lady in the group who is Garda Turkey. So maybe one of your fans from Turkey is saying, oh, yeah. "Please, Sam, I want you to sing Stars and post a video on IGTV." So. Would you consider doing an IG live? Um, I know that a lot of musicians spoke with Adam French. He's done a, a few Instagram lives. Is it something that you have on your horizon and you'd consider to do? Yeah, I think I am going to do. I think like at the start of all this and through a lot of it, 
there was just so much kind of noise on that front and kind of like pressure for people to do that and it didn't feel right I don't think um I don't know they're just seeing and there seems to be so so much of it where just like tons of people are doing them and and yeah you didn't want to really get lost in that kind of like noise it is something that like I would like to do at some point um so we are I've been chatting to a couple of friends we're planning to do something in the next week or two um that where we can kind of like do a bit of like a songwriter's circle and kind of like go between us on a live thing and play a few songs um so yeah i definitely will be doing something um something soon amazing there you go we found out we found out a bit about you turkey fans as well it's all it's all synced in <laughs> it's, it's all synced in brother but uh, no, thank you for your time. Do you want to let people know where uh, they can find you and also any upcoming information about any imminent releases or anything that is uh, pending on the horizon? Yeah, um, in terms of imminent things, there's, uh, there's, uh, this has kind of thrown a lot of that out the window, to be honest. But um, I think that's the same for most people, to be honest. Um, yeah, but um, so I, I'm working on um, another album at the minute. Um, yeah, just kind of like using the time to create and and uh yeah write as many songs as i can but um yeah in terms of finding my existing stuff spotify Bandcamp, all the usuals uh up on there um if anyone wants a physical record i've got some um vinyl and cds if anyone's still into them so um yeah just give us a shout what a gent i'll let you get back to your cat <laughs> awesome thanks for having me mate Take it easy, brother. Look after. Bye. See you later. There we are. So that was me chatting with some area by the life of a singer-songwriter. I'm going to be chatting again. She's just actually joined the group, actually. Laura Bartlett. Hello. Uh, I'm going to be finishing this chat, and then I'm going to be starting my next chat with Laura who is the founder and CEO of House of Coco. So I'm going to be speaking to her about all things to do with that life and also her mentoring as well. So if you want to stick around, make sure that you join the next chat with me, Ben Random at five. Other than that, peace and light to you and yours. Thank you for everybody who contributed with the comments and everybody who watched. If you want to see any of the previous chats, go on YouTube and uh, search pop cult chic and you can find all the loose lips chats on there and as well on instagram pop.cult.chic you can find everything there peace